How's everyone doing? Ready for the word? Yes? Ready? Strap yourselves in. Who remembers what we preached about last time, what I shared about? Anyone? It's a risky thing to say. Oh, anyone remember this? One another and each other's. Remember that? We talked about it. On, did, if you didn't get one of these, if you weren't here last time, um, uh, out in the foyer, these are on the little information stand there. Grab one, put it wherever you will see it. I was very excited this week. I got in Jack's car and I pulled down his sun visor and there it was, right there. Oh, he listened to me. It's amazing. Um, it's a first. It's a first. Driver's side. Driver's side. Yeah. So, but on here, one of the one another's and each other's, um, if I can find it, is speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. And, you know, tonight you have the opportunity to put that into practice. If you want to come to the worship night and be a part of that, that worship, our, our corporate worship of singing, singing songs and psalms and hymns to each, not just to God, but to each other, that we're in unity with one another, praising God. So I'd encourage you to be a part of that. As, as uh, Linda said, we've had this amazing piano borrowed to us, uh, like that we can use as much as we want. We didn't pay for it because we couldn't afford it, but God has blessed us with it. And uh, it's just great that someone's been that generous and um, we can use it for God's glory. So come tonight, come back and be a part of the worship night. We'd love you to be here. Um, but the reality is the one another's and, e and each other's show us the importance of relationships in our life. Isn't that right? This is what they're all about. And I finished the last message I, I spoke with the commandment that Jesus gave in John 13, 35, where he says these words, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Let's pray. Lord God, I just pray for this message. I pray for this morning. As Damien preached last week about the seed and the soil, I pray that this seed would find good soil, Lord God. Soil that produces great fruit, Lord God. And I just pray that as it goes out that you would, you would transform lives and, and change minds and create new hearts within us. In Jesus' name, amen. Now in this passage, you notice there that three times Jesus tells us to love one another. But the thing that really spoke to me out of this passage is when Jesus says, as I have loved you. So he gives us a very clear parameter on how we are to love one another. We are to love one another as he has loved us. Now that, as, I, as I ponder on that, as I think about that, think about this statement, as I have loved you. As I have loved loved you this as i read that it reminds me that not just that god loves me but what it reminds me of is that jesus ha has done everything possible for me to have a relationship with him 
as I have loved you. It's that heart of God that says to us that he wants to have a relationship with us. And we know that Jesus came to earth to show us the breadth and the depth of that love. And he came to to draw us back to God and bring us back into relationship with God. So when I read, as I have loved you, it reminds me that not just about the fact that God wants to have relationship with me, but it also reminds me that all my relationships are to be founded on this truth, are to be grounded in this truth. The foundation of all my relationships should be grounded on the truth of Jesus that we would love one another as I have loved you. John says it this way in 1 John 4.19 where he says, We love because he first loved us. We love because he first loved us. Now as I said, Damien preached last week and a an amazing sermon if you weren't here you can get it on youtube or on drop on the podcast but about the seed and the soil and as he was preaching it really hit home to me about the fact that even the this story of god the sower casting seed onto soil shows me god's heart to have relationship with us that he wants to give us his word The seed is a picture of his word and he wants to give us and he's given us his word. He's casting it out. He's he's sowing it out. Why? So it would fall on our hearts and bring life to us. That's why God is planting seed. He's, He's wanting us to have his life within us. He's wanting us to experience the power of a relationship with him. Think about that for a moment. God is giving to us in his word, all that we need to have a relationship with him. God is giving it. God is sowing it. The Bible said, as Damien shared, the sower is sowing the seed. It's a continuous thing. He doesn't hold it back. He is continually sowing it. Think about that for a moment. How amazing is that? Even in that action, it reminds me that God wants to be involved in our lives. Isn't that right? He wants to be involved. In other words, God wants you to know him. He, wants, he gives the seed so that we might know him. Because in his word, it, it tells us that we know him through his word. The, the passage that comes to mind is, is Matthew 4.4 where Jesus himself said, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Isn't that right? I read a paraphrase of this this week by a guy called Tom Smales. And in his book, he, he he paraphrased this passage this way, where he says, Humankind does not live by the satisfaction of their needs. Remember what Damien said last week? That humankind does not live by the satisfaction of their needs. Our life is not about what we get. Our life is not about everything we can accumulate. Our life is not about the content we can consume. But as he says, but by listening to and obeying 
what God says to them. Humankind does not live by the satisfaction of their needs, but by listening to and obeying what God says to them. You see, God's word teaches us that we were made to know God, that God created us for relationship to him, with him. So it makes sense that as children of God, the primary purpose or the primary desire of our lives should be to know God. As I said, our purpose is not to accumulate stuff. Our purpose is not to consume content and gain knowledge. Our purpose is to know God. Jesus said it this way in John 17, 3, where he says, Now this is eternal life. Sometimes we think eternal life is what happens to us when we die, which is a part of it. But Jesus is saying right now, right here in this space, now this is what eternal life is. That they, talking about the disciples and talking about us, that they may know you, who? The only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. What is eternal life? Eternal life is stepping into a relationship with God where he knows you and we know him. I want us to look at this in, in the Amplified because the Amplified explains expands on it really powerfully and it says and this is eternal life it means to know but what so it expands on this what does that mean it means to know to perceive to recognize to become acquainted with and to understand you the only true and real God so can you see the the the, the heart of that of that passage that what what eternal life is, is to know, to recognize, to become acquainted with and to understand God. This is what God is inviting us into. That, that we would know him and that we would know Jesus as the Christ, the anointed one, the Messiah, whom you have sent. Now, this idea that I want you to pick up on what I want you to understand today is this idea that God wants us to be acquainted with him that God wants us to know him and in Jeremiah 9:23 and 24 it expands on this even more I love this passage it's so poetic it's it's fantastic but it says what this is what the Lord says don't let the wise boast in their wisdom or the powerful boast in their power, or the rich boast in their riches. But those who wish to boast should boast in this alone, that they truly know me and understand that I am the Lord, who demonstrates unfailing love and who brings justice and righteousness to the earth, and that I delight in these things, I, the Lord, have spoken. How good is that? What should we boast about if we boast about anything? That we know God. What God do we know? The God who is, has unfailing love and who brings justice. Now the Apostle Paul expands on this because if you understand, the Apostle Paul wrote almost half the New Testament. And in, in so we, we need to take notice of what he writes and one of the most powerful things he writes 
is the importance of knowing God. And this, in Philippians, says not long before he's about to die, he writes this amazing passage. And in Philippians 3, verses 8 to 10, he says, What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage, that I may gain Christ and be found in him. But that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. Then he says this statement, I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings. Become like him in his death. We're going to look at this again in the Amplified. because, And as we read it, I want you to remember back to that verse in John 17 verse 3. Because it shows really clearly the similarity, this idea of knowing what it really means. It says here, yes, furthermore, I count everything as loss compared to the possession of the priceless privilege, the overwhelming preciousness, the surpassing worth and supreme advantage. So what is he saying? That what he's talking about, what he's about to talk about is the most valuable thing you could ever experience or encounter. He's not mincing words. Overwhelming preciousness, surpassing worth, supreme advantage. What he's about to say is very, very important. Probably the most significant thing we can come to understand as Christians. What is it? Of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord and of progressively becoming more deeply and intimately acquainted with him. What does that mean? As we learn in John 17:3 of perceiving and recognizing and understanding more fully understanding him more fully and clearly. For his sake I have lost everything and consider it all rubbish, refuse or dregs. In order that I may win gain Christ the anointed one. And then he reemphasizes it again. For my determined purpose is that I may know him, that I may again progressively become more deeply and intimately acquainted with him, perceiving and recognizing and understanding the wonders of his person more strongly and more clearly. And that I may in that same way come to know the power outflowing from his resurrection and it goes on but you see in Paul's language in his heart this idea of knowing God as being the most significant thing we can come to discover as Christians now for us to know God we need to understand that it is possible that a person can know a great deal about God without actually knowing God, without really knowing him. And this, is a, this can be a great relief to many of us here because you don't need to have amazing theological knowledge to know God. 
You don't need to attend Bible college for however many years or any of those things. Aren't you glad about that? Anyone happy about that? But the fact is, reading a, a biography is nothing like having a relationship with someone. And remember, God is the sower who's sowing seed continually. He's continually sowing seed. He's wanting to plant his life in your life, in your heart. So he'll do it however he can. But the fact is, Julie wrote a book about her dad, a biography about her dad called Harry. And, um, and if you read that, that's really great. And, and I read it and I thought, oh, that's really nice. I'd learned some new things about her dad. But the fact is, I didn't need to read the book about her dad because I actually knew her dad. I had a personal relationship with him. And so I knew him intimately and was acquainted with him. He was like a father figure in my life without, like, because I didn't grow up with a dad. And he was the one who taught me how to paint. He was the one that taught me lots of little things. And, and in the, those times together, I learned a lot about life from him. A lot more than I read from Julie's book. As good as a book as it was. But most of those stories in the book I'd already heard from him personally. But the reality is when you know someone, it's not about knowing about them. It's actually about knowing them. About having a relationship with them. A few weeks ago, Mao preached from Job and he shared this scripture. And it's the revelation that Job had where he said, My ears had heard of you. But now my eyes see you. It's that idea, I've read about you in books, but now I've actually experienced you for myself in front of me. And, he, and his response is, therefore I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes because you're so overwhelmed and humbled by, the, by seeing God and knowing God personally. It's also possible that a person can behave godly without really knowing God. No one in this church, surely not. But the reality is, godly behavior is not always a sign of someone who really knows God. I'll say that again. Because we're all got our Sunday best on today. We're all smiling and happy when we see each other. How's your week? Oh, wonderful, fantastic. I nearly just beat up my kids in the car, but no, it's a fantastic week. It's a wonderful week. Wonderful week. Couldn't have been better. Did you have that experience, Linda? No. You're with your mum. Your mum's so sweet. She couldn't do that. Yeah. I loved your song. You need to get together with Jack and write that. But the reality is we all put on our mask and our fronts, don't we? And so just because someone looks all holy and godly when they're meeting with you does not necessarily mean they know God. Because as Damien said last week, or Jesus said this, not Damien, he's a bit better than Damien. But, um, but the fact is, you shall know them by their fruit. And sometimes we think, their fruit is, oh, they live holy, good lives. They don't drink, they don't smoke, they don't swear, they don't do this. But that's not fruit. Fruit is love, 
joy, patience, kindness, long-suffering, self-gentleness, self-control. That's fruit. That's fruit. This is the fruit. That's the behavior. And, and in our world today where we love to filter everything, it is so important for us to understand that just putting on a good front is not proving you know God. Jesus says it really powerfully in Matthew 7, verses 21 to 23. Very sobering, sobering verse. But he says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? And in your name drive out demons? And in your name perform miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evil doers. Very important words. I never knew you. Or dare I say, Jesus could have said, you never knew me. Vice versa. See, it's all about knowing God. Not about the things that we try to do for God. As nice as they might seem, it's about knowing him. So if knowing God is, is not about knowledge about him and it's not about doing you know, good things, then what is knowing God about? What does a person need to know God? Well, first and foremost, very plainly, it starts by inviting Jesus into your life. It starts by acknowledging that Jesus is God, that Jesus came and died on a cross and rose on the third day so that we could have relationship with God. So Jesus has done everything necessary for relationship for God with God to happen. The Bible says that there's, we, we can enter the throne room boldly. All we need to do is confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that Jesus is Lord. And so I say all, that's all we need to do. But trust me, that's a massive thing to do. To actually confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is God. Because when you do that, you're saying, I put my life in your hands and I trust you with my life. That I make you God of my life, so I lay aside my control and I let you be in control. So if Jesus has done everything we need to know God, then what do we need to do? Well, I just want to share with you two very simple things of what God requires of us in our relationship with him. And what is required for us to know God, to know who he is, to experience what Paul is talking about. And the first thing we need to do from our side is very simple, is to desire God. Paul sum sums it up perfectly when he says, For my determined purpose is that I may know him, that I may progressively become more deeply and intimately acquainted with him perceiving and recognizing and understanding the wonders 
of his person more strongly and more clearly. You see, knowing God starts with a desire. That desire at the start is to invite him into our lives and say, God, I need your help. But the Bible often refers to this type of desire as a hunger. And in that hunger, Jesus described himself as the bread of life. I am the bread of life. Anyone who receives me will never be hungry again, he says. And he says, I am the, the water of life as well. And if anyone drinks of me, you won't be thirsty again. So we see here this idea that desiring God is, is, is a hunger in our life to know him, to draw close to him. And this desire should be driving every area of our life. Because desire, we understand, will always result in action. Say that again. Our desires will always result in action. So if you're hungry, really hungry, you will find food, won't you? You will. You will find food. If, you, if you're really hungry, you'll do whatever it takes to get food. Bear Grylls will even drink his own wee if he's that hungry <laughs> when he's out in the wilderness. <laughs> you will do whatever it takes to satisfy that need. Isn't that right? Your de- desire will drive you to fulfilling that need. But this is what, what we need to understand is that in our relationship with God, we need to cultivate a desire to know God. We need to... to really discipline ourselves and make it a focus of what we need that we need God in our lives we need to know him and when we do this when we cultivate this desire we discover that our experiences in life whether they're good or bad are actually not the issue they are actually pathways for us to know God in a greater way You know, sometimes good things might happen in your life and God blesses you with amazing abundance and you go, praise God, you are faithful, you've blessed me and and I feel so blessed and and it's so wonderful that, that you've given me all this stuff. But then other times in your life, everything might seem like it's falling apart and and you go through that very difficult valley and a very difficult time, whether it's through grief or loss or other things. But in that moment, you also discover that God is still faithful and that he is that shepherd who walks with you through the valley of the shadow of death, that he will never leave you nor forsake you, but he is walking with you. Both are just as important as each other, but our life experiences are not about whether they are good or bad. What they are about is revealing to us a fresh facet of who God is. That's why Jesus explained the path to eternal life as being one that is narrow and difficult. Because knowing God requires all of our attention and all of our commitment. That's why a hungry desire is essential for us to know God. That hungry desire is more important than the things you might want to do for God. The hungry desire comes first. The second thing we need to do to know God is to be still to practice stillness 
says in Psalm 46.10 tells us, he says, talking about God, be still and know that I am God. How relevant is this for today's world? We live with so much noise. We're always so busy. There's so much activity going on in our world. There's not a moment of the day where it doesn't seem like some sort of screen is bombarding us. Whether we're driving in the car and there's billboards or whether we're at work looking at a screen or there's all sorts of stuff going on. And, and in the middle of all of this, God says that to know me, it's the, the importance of stillness, the, the importance of stopping and, and taking time and giving your time to God. Now, as a, just like desire, this takes discipline. It takes discipline to shut out the noise. It takes discipline to deliberately focus on God. And the reality is the busyness of life can rob us of the opportunity to know God. And let me say this, uh, uh, and this might sound unusual coming from your pastor, but even the things you do for God can get in the way of you really knowing God. The, the, the obvious the obvious story that we all always hear is the story of Mary and Martha and, and that Martha was busy and distracted doing good things. She was preparing a meal for Jesus and she complained about her sister Martha, Mary who was sitting at Jesus' feet and Jesus said, Mary has chosen the one thing that really matters. And it, as, as your pastor, let me encourage you that uh, it's great that you volunteer and you help but don't don't do that to neglect your personal relationship with God to take time to draw away and spend time with him to be still that means be still the actual original language for that verse literally can be paraphrased in take a holiday from being God yourself and let God be God of your life we're all so busy trying to run our lives that we need to be reminded that there's a moment where we need to take a holiday, take a break, have a moment, draw aside and spend time with him. That's why God has given us his word, the seed. He's given it to us. That One way we can be still is to, to draw aside and spend time in God's word. Open your Bible and spend time in it. And when you spend time in it, one thing I've been doing a lot lately is just going over one scripture over and over again. And like a, like a cow chews the cud, just over and over, ruminating on it, meditating on it. Uh, the scripture that God's given me is from Psalm 51 where it says, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me away not from your presence, O Lord, Creating me a, a new heart, a new way. This is, this is the, and as I've been pondering on that, I just continually, God brings it as I'm driving the car, as at different times I just spend time meditating, God, creating me a clean heart. Renew a right spirit within me. If you understand that prayer, it's actually the prayer where David had been caught in sin with Bathsheba and all of that, and he cries out this. Now, I haven't done anything like that, but I know 
that, God, I don't want anything to be between you and me. Help me have a clean heart. Renew a right spirit within me. Keep me in right standing with you. Don't let anything get in between you and me. That this would be our heart. The other way we can be still is by getting in touch with God's creation. God's creation is amazing and we're blessed to be down here where we're not far from the beach. But every time I go for a walk and I look at the horizon and look at the ocean and look past, I realise that this world is a lot bigger than me and my problems. That there is a big world out there with lots of problems and it instantly brings things back into perspective for me. But the other creation that God loves to reveal himself to us through is each other the people around you that's why our relationships with each other can be another way that when we be still with each other and catch up with each other for a coffee or do that sort of candor sharing about having a meal together there's an amazing ability for God to reveal himself as well because that can be like being still that you just turn everything else off and you just spend time with someone else can be very beneficial. But in both these things, the most important thing is whether we're desiring God or whether we're being still, we need to prioritise it. We need to work at it. We need to discipline ourselves to do it because we get distracted so easily. Isn't that right? So just in closing, the thing I want you to take from this message, if anything, is that God wants us to know him. God wants us to know him. And the reality is he has done everything required so that we can know him. He's dealt with sin. He's dealt with every obstacle that got in the way. And now the Bible tells us that nothing can separate us from God's love. Not even death. Nothing. Nothing at all. Nothing can separate us from God's love. So God's invitation to us is to know him. And, and the, the key to this is, as Paul said, that we need to make knowing God our determined purpose. The greatest thing we can give God is our desire and our time. And I want to just finish with this scripture in Hebrews 11.6, which sums it up perfectly, where he's, the writer says, And without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Or it can be translated, those who earnestly desire him. God has called us to know him. And, And our responsibility, our job is to seek after him. Our job is to desire him. Our job is to draw near to him. Let me say this. I believe this is our greatest calling. The greatest calling that God has given us is to know him, to have a relationship with him. Beyond anything we can do for him. There's a really interesting story in in the New Testament where Jesus sends out his disciples two by two. And they come back so excited because they said, we went out 
We healed the sick. We cast out demons. We did all these amazing, exciting things. And they were rejoicing and, and, and Jesus, in the only, in, as only he can do it, he just calms them down and says, you know, I've seen crazy stuff. I've saw Satan fall from heaven down to earth. I've seen it all, basically. He goes, and you've done all this stuff, but the most important thing that you need to remember is that your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. What does that mean? It just basically means that you have a relationship with God. That is what counts the most. Knowing him is our greatest calling. The exciting thing is we don't have to do it alone. God has put us in his body so we can help each other with it. And we'll talk about that more in the next couple of weeks. But the thing I want you to understand that your greatest calling, the greatest thing you can do for God is to know him, is to desire him, is to give your time to him. That's where it begins. Everything else flows from that space. Let's pray. There might be some people in this place today that you've never had a relationship with God, you've never entered a relationship with God, and what I've spoken about today is, is new to you or you've known about it and you've never actually done it. Can I encourage you, uh, and I would love to pray with you, that if you are interested, if you do have a desire to know him, come and talk to me after the meeting and I'd love to pray with you and, and help you understand how that is possible. But for us, the regulars and those who do know God, I just would encourage you today to draw close to him. That we're going to pray, and I just pray that you would just draw close to him. Make a fresh commitment to say, God, I want to know you. Maybe you want to say, I want to be like Paul and make knowing you my determined purpose. I want to know you is what really matters most. That I want to put aside time to draw close to you and know you like never before. Lord God, I just pray for all of us here, including myself, that you would draw us closer to you, that we would earnestly desire to know you because you are the rewarder of those who earnestly seek you and earnestly desire you. So we come to you with that confidence and that faith that if we seek after you, we will find you. You reveal yourself in amazing ways. And I just pray that you would Reveal yourself to us in a fresh way even today. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Awesome. Thank you for listening. And thank you for coming out to church today. Uh, the coffee machine's on so you can hang around for tea and coffee. The wonderful volunteers are helping out there. And um, don't forget tonight if you want to come back and spend some time in God's presence and just know him, the worship night's on, so you're more than welcome to join us. God bless, and catch you during the week.